mission team in Kansas City was planted. Uh, I grew up spiritually here at KU. I met my wife in Lawrence. My kids are born in Lawrence. Put the ministry in Lawrence. I feel like I, in a sense, I'm a product of these two churches. And so this is so inspiring. And every time we do this, it never gets uh, it never gets old. It's been so encouraging. Thank you to so many people that have worked behind the scenes to make this possible. Thank you guys for your patience as you work the maze to try to find your way into the right room and your kids into their room. Uh, each time we do this, it gets a little bit easier or a little more familiar. So thank you guys so much for uh, for the patience. But uh, I want to go ahead and dive straight into what, what God's put on my heart for us this morning. And the title of my lesson is Built. Come on. You know, I think it's appropriate for where our churches are at. You know, 2018, uh, it's been a, a busy year for both of our churches. We've really been in a rebuilding phase, right? Both churches have new leadership. There's restructuring of small groups and small group leaderships. There's hiring new staff. Our campus ministries are linked together. We're working together with our youth and family ministries. We're hiring new administration. There's a lot going on. We've been in this rebuilding mode. And some, some of us can find that exciting, right? And some of us, it's an overwhelming time of uncertainty. But I'm really excited for what we are building, for what God is doing, and for the way that we're building, with unity, with faith, with trust. That excites me. You know, Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, So Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you read on, if you read the, the chapter of Ephesians 4, it's pretty cool. But God has given us the tools and he's entrusted us to work together in love to build up Christ's church until we're unified and we are matured into a more full version of Jesus. Mm. And he's charged his church with a mission to do his work. Yep. And he's left us, he's entrusted us with a message of reconciliation, a message of peace, of hope, in a dark, broken, and lost world. Come on. You ever wonder why God entrusted something so precious to people? Right? The same people that betrayed him. He entrusted something so precious. You know, when I'm choosing a babysitter, I tend to look for the most trustworthy people to leave them with, right? You know, it's interesting. When I was, I was about three years old, Sean was five, and uh, my parents asked Joe Patterson to babysit us. <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> and they were trying to figure out what is going on, right? Just waking up screaming in terror in the middle of the night. What, what is going on? As they go and they ask him, turns out Joe, Joe gathered us around and thought it'd be cool to, if we all watched the movie Predator. Yeah. <laughs> 
to sinful, inconsistent people. Joe, you're not, I don't think you're sinful or inconsistent. <laughs> but regardless, regardless, God's left his message with us. And he's asked us to work together to build up Christ's body. Brothers and sisters, there's work to be done. Come on. And it's time to pull together. It's time to work together to build up the body of Christ. Amen. And so today we're going to look through the book of Nehemiah because I think it's appropriate for us to go see someone that effectively built something for God. And so I want to look a little bit at the book of Nehemiah so that we can take away some building tips, if you will. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer and then we'll dive into the scriptures. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have the opportunity to be a part of Christ's bride. And God, as unworthy as we are, I'm so thankful that you trust us enough to give us this great work. God, we want to do it effectively. We know that nothing can be done without you. Certainly, we know that. God, I don't know why, but you've left us here to do your work. I pray that as we dig into the book of Nehemiah this morning, that you would open our hearts to your word and that we can take some lessons away to be more effective at building up your body. It's in your son, Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's start out with a little bit of history here. You know, the Babylonians, they completely destroyed Jerusalem. They took the Israelites captive. Jerusalem was in ruins. You know, after a few decades, the Persians, they conquer the Babylonians, and Cyrus the Great sends his edict and allows the Jews to go back home and rebuild the temple. They start to rebuild, and over the course of time, eventually they're forced to stop again. You fast forward a few more decades, and Ezra comes on the scene. He shows up in Jerusalem, and it turns out that the Israelites had once again disobeyed God. They had intermarried with the nations that were surrounding them, and they defiled themselves and the temple of God once again. Ezra refocuses them, calls them to repent. And then you fast forward a couple, you know, about 15 years, and you get to Nehemiah chapter 1. And that's where we're going to start out today as we learn some keys to building effectively. The first key is outward focus. Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekilah, in the month of Kislev, the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah, and with some other men, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, Nehemiah would have been a Jew that was born in captivity. He was a Jew by birth, but he had likely never been to Jerusalem and had only heard stories of God's temple. And it's not like 
Jewish boy, Nehemiah had actually been put in a pretty good position. God had raised him up, and Nehemiah was working directly with the king. He lived in the capital city of Susa. He had a relationship with the king. The king trusted him. The king had a respect for him. Nehemiah had it pretty good. And guys, it's not like, let's look at a map here. It's not like Jerusalem was just, you know, down the road. And so every morning when he drove to work, he passed by it and looked at it. Right. Seuss is all the way over here. Jerusalem is about a thousand miles apart. Wow. It's interesting to me that Nehemiah had never lived in Jerusalem and maybe never visited Jerusalem. He was a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. He had a good setup, but he felt a responsibility. And for whatever reason, his heart and his eyes were focused on something a thousand miles away from his own home. And if we learn anything, anything from the book of Nehemiah, it's that nothing gets built without us first taking our eyes off of ourselves. No one would have questioned Nehemiah for not traveling a thousand miles to Jerusalem to help rebuild the walls. Guys, nothing gets built without us first taking our eyes off of ourselves. And if I'm being honest with us, which I will, we've become inward focused, self-absorbed, and entitled. For a lot of us, the extent of our care doesn't extend beyond what affects us directly as individuals. Wow. Wow. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten it twisted, guys. We've started to feel that the church exists with all its resources to serve me and meet my needs as an individual. But the reality is we are called to use what we have to serve and build up the church. My days have become filled with listening to people complain about how their needs aren't being met. And as this has gone on, it's interesting, it's inspired my New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is that if I catch myself complaining or making a negative comment, I have to stop wherever I'm at and do 10 push-ups. That's my New Year's resolution. Because I've become so disturbed with how complaining and whiny and inward focused that I don't want to grow and become more and more like that. So you can ask John Mayle about our plane ride the other day. Guys, where, where did we get this, this attitude of entitlement where we feel that we can argue our personal opinion about every single thing? Come on. Opinions about the songs that are chosen. Opinions about what time service starts. Opinions about how long service goes. Opinions about how the church isn't doing enough to raise your kids for you. 
right? I, I think Kansas City is going to be doing some building renovations, and I can only imagine there's going to be some people that have some opinions about the colors of the chairs and how comfortable the chairs are, and the carpet that may or may not be on the floor, and the colors of the wall, and this or that, and the lighting. Guys, where did this come from? on this area, you put, and on and on and on. 
And then as they start to build, they started facing opposition. And so he elaborated the plan even more. He said, okay, we've got to organize this. Half of you men build, and half of you stand outside with swords and spears, and then when you get tired, switch. All around the wall for two and a half miles. Some of you are tired at me just saying two and a half miles, right? How effectively would they have built this wall without working together? Could you imagine 40 different groups of people building this wall their own way, on their own time, with their own preferences, without considering the sections next to them? They had to find a way to individually build a wall together. So difficult. It took so much communication. It took so much strategy. They had to not just build or not just be outside the wall protecting, but also be considering the sections to the right and to their left because eventually these walls were all going to meet up. It's such an awesome parallel to the body of Christ. Mm, yeah. This thing only works with everybody pitching in, everybody doing their part to build their section while still keeping an eye on the sections to your right and to your left. Good. Every part has to work together so efficiently. You know, when I was playing football here at KU, um, my second year we had, we, we'd had a couple years of success and we started to get a little comfortable. Okay. And so the coach, you know, he came up, I, it was brilliant, right? It was accountability partners. Okay, it's nothing, doesn't sound anything fancy, but we all got paired up with two other guys. And if one of your guys missed, you got punished, right? So if one of your guys was late to a meeting or late to practice or didn't show up to something, I got punished. So one morning I show up to workouts, you know, we're in these workouts, you know, I'm, I'm there at 5 a.m. We're working out and I notice my buddy Tartanian, my accountability buddy, we had about three minutes left till workout started and I don't see him. So I sprint into the locker room, uh, I get my phone, I'm calling him, I'm texting him, I'm not hearing a response, so I'm pretty sure he's not showing up. So uh, turns out he doesn't show. My coach calls me into his office and says, all right, I want you to you know, step up onto the Stairmaster. Okay, Stairmaster, no big deal. So he's like, I want you to run. You know, you got to run up 150 flights in 15 minutes or you got to do it again. So I was like, okay, boo-boo, I run it. I'm exhausted. I get down. They said, okay, now you got to hop onto the bike and you got to ride for 15 miles. Okay, I got to do that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And then he pulls the seat off. All right, he pulls the seat off of the bike. So I'm just exhausted. You better believe Tartavia never missed another practice <laughs> But we, it forced us to start thinking about not just me getting going, me showing up to practice, me doing my part and my position and studying the playbook, but I also got to make sure the guy to my right and to my left are studying their playbook and they're showing up on time. Guys, we are better together. There is no way that we can effectively build for Jesus to just duck your head and focus on what you're doing here. We've got to work together, guys. Look here. These are the lists 
reach of influence above 20,000, along with all the known universities in the area. There's much work to be done. The city's in ruins, guys. We've got to work together. We've got to work together. The task is too great. The wall is in too much shambles for us to just duck our head and focus on us. We've got to lift our gaze up, consider the section of the wall next to us, and work together. Amen? Amen. My third point is ready your heart. You know, it's interesting. I've had several people ask me, go back to those stats real quick, the, uh, the, the list of cities. I've had several people ask me, you know, what's the deal here? Are we trying to become one church? That's not the point. That's not the point at all. That's the point. The point is focus up off of yourself. And look at the work that needs to get done. Amen. The only way that we're going to effectively spread the gospel and build up the body of Christ the way that he expects is by working together. I don't care how it looks, but we've got to work together. It's not going to happen. Amen? Amen. It's interesting. It took 52 days for them to build the wall. <laughs> 52 days when you read the book of Nehemiah. Wow. Not a fence. 52 days to build a wall two and a half miles around, 40 feet high, and 8 feet thick. Yep. There is no limit to what God can do when his people work together. Amen. My last point, ready your heart. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, and then when you read on, it finally shows Nehemiah working up the courage to talk to the king and ask him to go back. And it was in the month of Nisan. What's really interesting here, I heard this recently, and one of the most interesting insights, I think, in the book of Nehemiah. It took him four months from the time that he heard about Jerusalem to the time that he decided to have the courage to ask the king. It took him 120 days to work up the courage to ask the king to go. It took him more than twice as long to decide to go than it did to actually build the wall. And isn't that so true in life? The decision to actually get up out of bed and go to the gym is more exhausting and longer than the actual workout itself most of the time, right? What was going on in Nehemiah's heart when he was wrestling during that four-month period? God had already put it on his heart to go. He knew the state of the city. He knew there was a need. What was he thinking about for four months? And there are two main things that I can think of that I think we all relate to. The first, I think he was wrestling with his comfortable life. About it. He's in the nicest house in the nicest city, wearing the nicest clothes, eating the best food in the safest part of town, working the best job. Hmm. Option A, or I could go travel four months, 
for a thousand mile journey, cut down a bunch of trees, gather a bunch of people that are just kind of a mess, and rebuild this wall in the midst of heavy opposition. I could see why he was wrestling. And I think we've got to ask ourselves, guys, you know, have, have we allowed ourselves to get so comfortable to the point that it's preventing us from building the body of Christ up? Right? And I wonder if, man, if we go down this road, I know what this might mean. I know this might mean maybe no cake. I know this might mean maybe not as nice of a car. Maybe, I know I, uh, maybe I get asked to move. Right? Church, have we, have we settled in? Have we settled in? Well, I know the city's in ruins, but... Trust you. Yeah. 
I'm going to trust you. Brothers and sisters, we've got to decide. It's time to trust. And I'm, I'm asking some of you to trust me. I'm asking some of you to trust Kevin, to trust your elders. I'm asking some of you to decide, ultimately, though, to trust God. Why? Because the city is in ruins. There's too much work to be done, guys. It's time to decide to trust. As we close out our time, I want to leave us with some practical. How can we take this stuff today and put it into practice? The first thing... Everybody in here pray for our cities. All of them. And I think what this is going to do is it's going to help take our eyes off of ourselves and outward. Every day, every morning, every night, pray for our cities. The next thing, get involved. If you don't have an area in the church to serve, find one. If you don't know how to find one, ask someone. And if they don't know, ask them who you can ask. Every single person getting involved, getting their hands dirty, and being a part of serving the body of Christ rather than waiting for the church to serve you. Amen? Getting a Bible study. How on earth can we expect to make disciples in another city if we can't even do it in our own city? Right? College students? Get on campus. It's time to go make disciples, baby. We got all these, we got all where my wolves at, right? We got all these schools. We got all these schools. The puppies are calling. We got all these schools. How are we going to realistically expect to get to Johnson County, UMKC, K-State, Nebraska, you name it, if we can't make disciples in our own school, right? We don't need everyone to just all of a sudden decide to go move. Right? Because then we're just going to have the same problem over there as we've got right here. We need every single person to get involved in a Bible study and learn how to study the Bible with someone. Amen? Let's get involved. The last thing, fully invest in your small group. We've all recently restructured our small groups. Guys, we've got to fully invest in our small groups. We've got to build family. We've got to build relationships. That thing's got to be our family. Right? It's not just a group I go to every other week because I have to and it's on the, the roster. That's our family, guys. That's how we're going to move the church through small groups. Amen? Brothers and sisters, it's time to focus our eyes outward. Right? It's time to lift our gaze up. It's time to work together. It's time to ready our hearts. Some of us decide today to trust. And I think if we do this, guys, I think we're going to be amazed at what we see God do as we are committed to building up the body of Christ the way that he wants us to. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Our service Father, we love you so much. I'm so convicted, but so inspired by the book of Nehemiah, God. I'm so inspired by the rubble of the city and how you worked through Nehemiah. And all the Israelites to rebuild the walls. And God, as I look around, I'm so brokenhearted by the state of our cities in this surrounding area. God, the city really is in ruins. And I'm so humbled that you've entrusted us with such an important, precious message. And that you've asked us to build up the body of Christ. And you've just given us the tools. 
God, I pray that we can focus outward, that we can pull together and work together. And God, that we would ready our hearts for what you are going to do. God, help us to not be afraid and help us to focus on you because you are good and you are awesome. Father, we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.